is the tricky gym actually also a gym? Because I think that since I first saw you, you used to be a little skinnier. Now you've beefed up a little bit. You've been working out back there in the tricky gym? <laughs> You're listening to the Heat Factory Podcast with Owen Robb and Professor Dr. Rob Stevens, PhD. We left off in part one of the Andrew Mahone interview when we were talking about Andrew skateboarding and making videos skating and how all of that was going to lead to his future. This is part two of our interview with Andrew Mahone, and he'll pick up right where we left off. Here's Andrew. That was the backbone, the skateboarding, the creativity, the the filming, all that stuff was the backbone of what I'm doing now, and, and that's why it's so formative. It's such a it, integral part of like my childhood and what I love to do now. Picking a name, branding, I mean, all of that. First, it was Darium's competitive Pokemon. You guys yes. might mm-hmm. remember that. Yeah. So I guess, kind of diving into that, you know, that origin as well. I was like. Uh, I know it's a little off topic. Oh, good. No, I, this is where this I is wanted great. to. I wanted to take it to Tricky Gym and how you're getting into Tricky Gym. Yeah. So let's just start with Darium. Start with Darium. So Darium is this awesome dude, local here in Cuyahoga Falls area, and he was a viral, is a viral YouTube Pokemon card pack opener. He used to op- he used to own and operate a card store just down the road. Um, he doesn't anymore. He's just a content creator now. And uh, he's a cool guy. So he had a card store, and I was teaching full-time. I was going to graduate school for special education, and I was trying to earn my invite to the world championships. And I, for some side cash in the summer of 2017, was just hustling at his card shop, just sorting bulk. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I was just sorting bulk at the card shop, but eventually got to talking to Kevin uh, Darium, and then I finished top eight at Nats. And when I finished Mm -hmm. top eight at Nats in 2017, he was like, "Hey, you know, like you're pretty good. I've been thinking about trying to expand my channel to to, uh, appeal to a more competitive audience. What would you think about helping me out with that?" So he brought me on board, and me and Chris Fulop were supposed to be. The helms of this competitive channel. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember that video. Chris Fulop showed up, I think, to the first day, and then you know it was a little bit of a drive. It was like an hour or so, maybe more, for him to show up. And you know, Darian was going to pay us to make videos for this competitive channel that was owned by him, called Darian's Competitive Pokemon. And you know, basically, Fulop kind of fell off, but I kept doing it, and you know, I just kind of took ownership of the channel, and it was owned by. Darium. I mean, it's Darium's competitive Pokemon. So I was just a personality on his brand, but I got to be creative. I got to be expressive. I got to make videos. It was like cool. And it was like basically a second job. I was using it to pay for my grad school. So I was just like, well, this just makes sense, you know, and was just paying for my grad school by doing that. Then Darium kind of got to this point where he was burnt out. So he kind of wanted to go on sabbatical from his own channel, right? And he was like, all right, well, what if I, like, start paying you more and you kind of run, you don't have to run Darium's competitive Pokemon anymore. For all I care, you know, that's not really making us any money. So you could just kind of, you know, sideline that if you want. But he gave me a raise and was like, 
now your job is to just basically run Darium's Pokemon. So for like six months, I was just running Darium's Pokemon and creating those videos, but I did not give up Darium's competitive Pokemon, and I was just doing that because I loved it, right. even though I wasn't earning any money from it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I was. I mean, I was because I was Darium was paying me, but I was I kept that going. And then Darium got to a point where it was like, the ad revenue wasn't quite good enough to keep the all the employees that he had and things like that. And he had shut down his card shop and kind of had to like refocus his brand and figure out like what he was doing. So, you know, he had come up with like a new pay structure, you know, for people that did videos for him. And I was like, okay, I can't really afford to do this anymore. And I was just running myself dry, running two channels, yeah, two channels and going to grad school and doing all this. But me and Darium are like super cool, but just logistically, it wasn't working out for us to be able to work together in the same context. So what we had decided on, I was like, hey, well, would you mind just letting me have Darium's competitive Pokemon? And he was just super cool about it. It was like, yeah, here you go. So no buyout, just... No buyout. Wow. I was expecting that. I was. To I thought you it. bought it out. I'm like, there yeah. must have been a little bit of cash exchange. But he gave it to me. That's wow. Amazing. That's very. Yeah. I mean, very so generous. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I owe so much to him, and I love that dude. He is awesome. He just put me on. He taught me so much about what it meant to be a content creator. I just soaked up knowledge from him for a year, and then he gave me Darium's competitive Pokemon. So long as I rebranded it, he rerouted the ad revenue to go straight to my PayPal address. And was like, yeah, bro, whatever you make with it, that's that's you. He's like, it's your channel anyway. So that was dope. And then so Tricky Jim was the birth of that. And, you know, I rebranded, um, I think, the summer of 2018. Yeah. So that was like over a year. We had a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I rebranded to Tricky Jim. Uh, I was looking for a name for a while. And there's a Pokemon card called Rockets Tricky Jim. I always thought Team Rocket was kind of cool, you know, the edgy Pokemon, you know, bad guys or whatever. So I always thought Team Rocket was cool. Some of my favorite Pokemon cards are Team Rocket cards. One of my favorite Pokemon sets is the Team Rocket set. Rocket's Tricky Gym was a cool card, but then I also liked the idea of Tricky Gym. Like, tricks can be skateboarding tricks as well. Uh, You know, tricks can be anything, you know, and it's just kind of goofy, right, and also memorable. Also, it was very important for me to come up with a name that was not proprietary or anything like that. Yeah, it's uh, not it like flexible. Called, it's not called like Sneasel's like hideout or something like nope. that. Right. Yeah. It's not That's called kind of... Andrew's Pokemon competitive, <laughs> right, you know, channel. Right. No. I didn't want anything with Pokemon in the title, but yeah. that people could find out was Pokemon related and I felt having Jim in the title was like, okay, people know that Jim's are Pokemon related. So That's how kind of me and Rob, we actually like shot back and forth, I think like twenty names. Oh yeah. And we were trying to find non proprietary stuff. So we just do it we just like I Googled what like Heat Factory. Heat Factory was just like Pokemon didn't it wasn't in the, any of the games or yeah. Right. And they didn't own the rights to Heat Factory, and yeah. so we just chose Heat Factory because it was a cool card. It is a cool card, and it's a cool. It's like you know the hot seat, the Heat Factory. Right. I, yeah. li- I like that. It's a really cool association. We were we were gonna do something like the spice. You know how like Pokemon has the vocabulary like the spice, yeah. busted, insane. We wanted something kind of along the lines of that, and we we decided on Heat Factory. I like it a lot. So. It's uh, it's definitely a cool name, and you can tell it's well thought out. So yeah. So since we are, I mean, we're relatively new to producing content i've had some content creation things that all like that all didn't get off the ground but what's your advice to people who want to get into content creation in either pokemon or in other like well if if i came to you today and i said hey i'm going to start this whatever 
whatever content it is, what would be like the first thing you would tell somebody who's really into that? Well, that you have to do it because you love it, not yeah. because you're expecting to reap any real benefits or rewards from it, right? And you have to do it because you're passionate about it, not because you're looking for a notch on your social belt or anything like that, or you're looking for more Twitter followers, or you're looking for things like that. If, you're, if that's what you're into, then people will sniff that out and yeah. you will fall flat. Like that is, that's what that is. So I would say you have to do it because you love it. It has to be a passion project for you and you have to be willing to sacrifice for it. I mean, when I first started creating content, I was creating content in high school. So you got to look at, you're competing with people like me who have been doing this since I was a teenager. You know, I feel, I quite literally feel like I was born to do this, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I, this mm -hmm. has just been what I've been in love with my whole life. So like when you're out here creating content, like, you know, if you're looking to be the best or whatever, like you're going to be competing with other people who are doing passion projects like their life depends on it, right? Yeah. So that's rough. But then if you're doing it from a place of love, like you love what you're doing, then you're not going to be comparing yourself to the next person. You're not going to be saying like, oh, well, I'm not making enough money or I don't have enough, you know, retweets or I don't have enough followers because you're doing it because you love it. So if you're coming from the right place, then none of that other stuff really matters and you're going to work hard on it because you love what you're doing. So I think you have to love what you're doing, but you have to not only just love what you're doing, you have to be willing to learn because as I've kind of realized in the content creation gig is that all this stuff that I'm doing right now didn't really exist when I was in college. Right. I mean, when we yeah. were in college at all. No, I mean, yeah. like I went for, I started out doing a communication arts degree when I was in college, when I was 18. And then I instantly decided that communication arts was not what I wanted because they were teaching me about how to do like cable news and things like that. Right. And I was like, old oh, media. Old media, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was instantly turned off by that. So I right. was like, no, no, no. Get me. So I, I got a art, in art and technology degree nice. with an emphasis in photography. That basically allowed me to do whatever I wanted. Right. So that was cool because I got to kind of be my own creator and just have my own vision and, and do this kind of stuff. But I had no idea, I mean, like streaming, what, Twitch came around, like, what, 2014 or so? Yeah. You yeah. know? That was, like, was, the early days of Twitch, yeah. I was well out of college by then, mm -hmm. um, you know, trying to find a real job, you know, yeah. and a real career and things like that. Uh, originally, you know, I started off as a photojournalist, you know, I was a teacher, I valeted cars, I've been a janitor. I mean, I've done a million different things, but now I finally feel like I found my home, like, this is what I've, this is what I was meant to do, so... If you love something, you'll work hard at it, and I think it'll be worth it for you, and that you will kind of find the, the fruits of your labor satisfying, even if you know, you're know you not getting all the attention in the world, which I think is the most important part. What's the thing you're having the most fun with right now with your job? I like streaming a lot. I like figuring out how to produce engaging and entertaining live content. The thing that I am the most burnt out with right now is creating YouTube videos. Creating YouTube videos is hard and frustrating. Yeah. The videos that I work on for weeks, you know, might only get a few thousand views, but then a stream re-upload, there's a stream re-upload of a, literally a zero effort stream re-upload, just a stream clip that is now on its way to becoming my, it's, it's my second most viewed video on YouTube 
and it was just a video I chopped out of. You put yeah. a snazzy thumbnail on it and just chopped it straight out of Twitch. So yeah. it's like you're not on YouTube. It's like you're not getting directly rewarded for the amount of work or effort you put in, yeah. which is frustrating to say the least because, you know, the work and the effort should lead to success. <laughs> One would imagine, right. Yes, but right. the internet has different plans. The internet just finds whatever it likes and then just right. ships it. So Your number one video, for at least for a while, was about shuffling. It is. It still and is. I worked hard on that. Yeah, yes. yeah. it's a great that video. video. See, everyone should watch that video. It taught me a lot about shuffling and how, not, how to do it and not to do it. But I was also surprised that that was your, I mean, it makes sense, but it's surprising too, but I'm glad you worked It's surprising hard. to me too. Yeah. So that's a video I worked hard on and I was proud of it. It's got 77,000 views now. The Alolan Ninetales Zero Energy Deck stream clip has 70,000 views. <laughs> oh, with Brady? And is quickly oh, quickly man. galloping towards it. Oh, so, that's so funny. That is hilarious. I wonder if people are just like searching for, like, they have a pull Alolan Ninetales. I'm like, this card's good. And right. they find, like, no one's done decks or anything. Have you ever, like, typed in, like, Alolan Ninetales into, like, YouTube and... Are you the only? Maybe you're the only one with an Alolan Ninetales. Like, if you type is this in the, the new one that is like zero energy and yeah. the tools in uh -huh. the discard. Oh yeah, that's hilarious. Well, people love a meme deck, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, but finding out how to produce engaging live content is pretty, pretty exciting for me right now. And what I'm finding is that I mean, there's just this huge barrier, right? That basically requires a modern communication arts degree. That like. I'm at right now. Right. It's like I'm looking up multi-camera, live production, audio mixing, all this stuff, and I'm like, oh my gosh! Like I, I now need a, you know, basically need a full-on four-year education to figure all this out. But like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going back to school. We're just right. going to figure out. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're going to figure it out. Because at this point, you know, I think school teaches you how to learn. So like, that's that's what you need to know. Sure. So like, whether or not I'm paying somebody to teach me, or I'm sitting here engrossed in the internet, we live in a day and age where if you're passionate enough, you can teach yourself how to do just about anything. Yeah. With the internet's help. So. So when you did make the transition, I, I remember we were like hanging out one time, and you were like, "Yeah, I'm thinking about quitting my job." Yeah like quitting my teaching, your, I think your teaching job at the time. Yeah. And then I think for a while it was maybe a little bit of a running joke, like imagine if you could quit your job and like just stream Pokemon like some of the full grip guys were yeah. like. So what was that moment like for you? Was that like a really pretty natural step forward or was there a, a leap of faith there that you kind of had to take? There was a huge leap of faith. Yeah. I had been working, I mean, I was paying for my own graduate education out of pocket, right. you know? I quite literally sunk thousands and thousands of dollars into it of you know money that i had worked for for years you know and then all of a sudden you might not be using it is that what you mean yeah, yeah. so i'm vested you know i've been teaching since i had been teaching for almost five years right. i had decided that this was going to be my life plan you know a few years back and was just going for it and then you know i kind of had this sobering realization as i was as I was going through, I guess, the fall of 2018. Yeah, the fall, fall 2018? Fall of 2018. Yeah, yes, because I created content for a while just doing, like going to grad school and also teaching and also creating, yeah, running two channels. That was the worst time of my life. But yes, yeah, so that in the fall of 2018, I am getting started with the new school year. I am doing everything, you know, grad school, all of that, and I just find myself very frustrated in the middle of the semester and just looking for 
a way out. And I'm running myself ragged. I'm at school, and I'm at school writing the descriptions of YouTube videos. I'm at school teaching, and I'm also making thumbnails. Right. I'm doing things like this for my YouTube job. And I started asking myself, am I giving my 100% to these kids? Is my heart really here? Right. right? And I think when I realized that my heart wasn't 100% in it, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Because I, I just was running myself ragged, doing too much. So I had to make a choice. So then I walked in to Full Grip one day and was kind of just disclaiming that like, I think I'm at my breaking limit. I think I'm just about done. I was I was burnt out, and Jameson, who owns Full Grip, uh, was like, hey man, I'm thinking about quitting my job. And he's like, oh yeah? And we had known each other because I had uh, been through here a few times, and you know I know Sean very well, and, uh, and he's like, why don't you, you know, come step into my office? So he, like, he brought me down, talked to me, made me an offer to work here as an employee, yeah. and then also said, well, you know what, like, we'll let you, you know, do some of your video editing and stuff on the clock and, you know, process videos, but you are going to be, like, working here full time. So, like, I do need you to, like, help around the shop or whatever and then offer me a salary to do it. And it was a pay cut from what I was making teaching, but he also told me that I could keep anything that I make on the channel and that that would all be mine. Like, I would own Tricky Jim, but I would have to help sell cards for Full Grip. Sure. And I was like, hooray. That yeah. sounds fine. I'll take the pay cut. I'm going to quit grad school anyway. So <laughs> I still had to finish out that semester that right. I had already paid for. I gave my teaching job. I mean, it, it felt bad. I was in, you know, it was probably at the end of October. I told them I'd, I'd stick around till the end of November. They asked me if I could go through the end of the semester. I said, no, I just, I was done. And yeah. I had to, I had to go. So then I, I kind of dived full-fledged into into just doing the content and even that first year at full grip i've been working at full grip a little over a year now and that first six to eight months at full grip was not easy because it was still like i was working two jobs sure because i was creating the video content and just hustling 40 hours a week at the shop doing shop stuff right you know sorting cards inventorying cards grading cards doing all of that but you know, Jameson built me a studio here. That was amazing. Gave me a lot of opportunities and things like that. And he really respected my freedom and my creativity and valued me. It was, I felt like Jameson was like one of the first bosses I ever had who really valued me and my creativity. And like that was really rewarding. So that was cool. And in the summer, Jameson actually cut me loose to just create content full time. And nice. was like, hey man, keep your salary, everything that you're doing. You've produced enough sales for Full Grip. Basically, I've proved the concept, right? Right. That I can drive enough sales to Full Grip Games that he's like, you know, keep your salary. Now, you know, you, you basically just do you, create content, keep helping us sell cards on the internet, and and just, you know, whatever you deem is appropriate for you to do on a day-to-day -day basis. Like, you do that. And that, like, that was the dream. Yeah. That was it. it. Not only that, but I feel like you and, and Sean and Matt and Natalie are just like the dream team here. I mean, Sean is so good at what he does. And you're so good at what you do. I mean, it just function. It's like a well-oiled machine here now. It is like all the stars have aligned, and it's like you have the card, the absolute Pokemon, the best Pokemon team you could put together in the Northeast Ohio area to like sell cards or create content. Yeah, is like somehow under this roof. Yeah, I don't. 
you know, which is crazy. That's pretty crazy. It's crazy because you, you basically, like Rob said, you quit your teaching job and you quit mid semester. Because like, I didn't Robin, know that. That's crazy. Robin, Rob, and I and Jackie, Rob's wife, we all talked about. I had a friend that she quit her teaching job, and Jackie was talking about something that if you quit your job, your teaching job, you get black. You get a black mark. There's no going back. Yeah, yeah it's that's not, a huge it's a gamble. Jump. Yeah. That's a pretty big gamble that you jump from a teaching job where right. if this fails, like. You can't go back to teaching. No. I kind of knew that I wasn't. Yeah. No, but that's yeah. great. I mean, that, but that proves that it was a big leap for you. It was. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was no net to fall on. I guess, like at the at the least, I knew like I could hustle at the shop. You know. Right. There was some net. <laughs> there was some <laughs> net. Right. A little bit of a net, but you know. And I've talked to Jameson about that. We've talked. He's like, you know, if for some reason, if anything happens with like, you know, in your channel, and you know, were to fall under, you know, I'd still have a job here hustling cards, but like. I don't play it on right. hustling cards. No, you, you know, want to make content. I want to make content. And, you know, we have a really nice mutual, you know, mutually beneficial relationship now. And I think I've proved myself. I had to prove myself for that little while there. Right. He wasn't just going to, because Jameson's smart. He wasn't just going to take like a full on risk to just pay me to produce content without knowing, you know, what my work ethic was like, what my sales abilities are like or anything like that. Right. So I had to prove myself first, prove the concept, see the numbers on the website, all that. It's just kind of crazy to me, like, you took that leap, and now you have, like, the biggest, I think you have the biggest Pokemon grassroots channel on Twitch. That's, yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. I don't know. So, regarding your job now, does it cut into your ability to play competitively at all? I mean, so in one sense, you got to stay on top of the meta, you're making new videos, you're producing content. So, like, in one sense, I bet you understand the game more. But just in terms of like being able to go to tournaments and being able to like, you know, play competitively, or do you still feel like you're on top of it? It's a really good question. Yeah, it. Uh, I have to sacrifice a lot um, in order to do this, and part of that is I have to sacrifice how much I can play competitively. So you know, at this point, I stream all of our league challenges and all of our league cups. That's just a certain amount of league challenges and league cups I can't go to right. because I'm streaming them, and you know, full grip puts on the best local league challenges and league cups that I can't play in them. So that's a like a big chunk of opportunities that I just have not available to me. And then weeknight stuff, if there's ever like a league challenge on a Wednesday, you know, I'm streaming it. I mean, that's like anybody else who's got a job, but uh, I do have, you know, certain things that I'm not available for because I'm busy here. And then on weekends, as far as going to tournaments and things like that, like regionals, I, I was pretty freed up. and. I do feel the most tapped into the game that I've ever been, which is a huge blessing, and I'm really stoked about that. Right. Um, I mean, this even this past few months, the two regionals I've been to was like top eight, top sixteen, yeah, back to back, and I just felt on fire. I felt like I was really tuned into the game, and you know, I think that showed, which was awesome. But you know, because of my insane schedule. Like, I can't really afford to go to every tournament like some right. players do. I'm also trying to save up for some real-life stuff. Like, I'm trying to move out into a house this next year. I can't really afford to be flying all over the, the world to different internets and things like that. And, uh, you know, i got to do what I need to do to make sure that, you know, the channel is going. I don't plan on going anywhere. I plan on this being my job. I plan on this being my livelihood. So I need to fight for it, which means that I need to treat it like a job like it needs to it needs to be able to provide for me and a potential family right yeah. so then i need to be able to show that i'm not going to 
let my chase of glory or tournament finishes get in the way of me being able to be a family man, which is like my ultimate goal. So uh, I've had to sacrifice a lot of playing competitively, though I do feel very tuned into the game right now in order to create the content. I have half my world's invite right now, but it's not easy because a lot of the locals I can't play in. Right. Yeah. And the local scene here is pretty pretty tough anyways. It like, is. You show up to a cup and you get top eight, you're like, oh, that was amazing. Thank goodness. Yeah. Right. Uh, I can't believe I scraped out of there with some right. points. Yes, for sure. No, even the league goers, I mean, the league here is even starting to get really intense. Yeah. I know. It's the first time I've been able to come tonight to one of your leagues because usually I've been working on, on the nights you had it, and it's it was tough. I mean, it's really tough. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, there was not really any free locals. No. I've learned that. <laughs> there are no free no. locals anymore. No, yeah, they no are No free not. locals no. up here. No. I wanted to ask you about the future. Have you ever thought about, like, going outside the Pokemon trading card game? Have you ever thought about, like, other games or, like, in real life streaming or anything like that? For sure. Uh, I definitely have. So that's a decision that I, a decision to, to stick with Pokemon and to kind of be kind of gung-ho about creating Pokemon content. It's a conscious one. Other games look really good on the other side of the fence. You're like, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. You're like, okay, you know, look at all these people that are playing Sword and Shield right now and getting thousands of views, even just playing the video game within the same franchise, mm-hmm. right? right? Who are diversifying their content. Look at all these guys playing Team Fight Tactics. Look at all these guys playing Fortnite. Like, right. I could be one of those, you know. I'm a good enough streamer that if I really doubled down and invested myself into that, I could do it. You know, I could be a flavor of the month streamer or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's not really what I do or what this channel is about. And I'm not going to drag, you know, my audience around with whatever, you know, is the flavor of the week or whatever. Pokemon is the biggest franchise in the world. It is. It's the most lucrative franchise in the world. Yeah, I think it's even bigger than Disney worldwide. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's crazy. So it's the biggest franchise in the world. It's bigger than Marvel. It's bigger than Star Wars. All that, which is crazy. So... It's played this role in my life that it is one of the most like fundamental aspects of my life and self-identity and who I am is the Pokemon franchise. So at this point, it's been around for 20 years, right? Other games that are, you know, flavors of the month or whatever are hot now, are they going to be where are they going to be in 20 years? Sure. Maybe they're not going to be where Pokemon is at. So for me at this point, Pokemon's such a part of my life that I want to spread the love of that game through the content that I create. And through this language that we all understand. And I think there's something beautiful and tactile about sitting across from somebody and playing a game that is just on the board, yeah. right? That is on paper or cardboard. And I think that that's a, that's a beautiful thing. The fact that you go to the world championships and play against somebody you don't know or can even speak their language and you can, you can enjoy that game. That is just a tactile game. It's not on screens or anything like that. So we spend so much of our lives on screens that I think that... You know, Pokemon's a beautiful escape from that, just being able to be creative. Deck building's a creative thing. I love that. Getting to, you know, enjoy the strategy with the game. And another thing that I love about the Pokemon trading card game is that there's a new set released every few months. So if you're ever getting yeah. bored, ever getting tired or burnt out, there's always something new to do. You can play an old format. You can play a cube. You could start testing for the next format ahead. And that game kind of constantly patches or refreshes itself. Other games actually need patched, right? Right. Uh, Pokemon never needs patched. Yeah. It just, you ban a card and, uh, you know, keep it trucking. So I really love that about Pokemon. And I think the way that I've looked at it is that 
I identify with this game so much and I take so much pride in the content that I create for it that if I were to venture outside of Pokemon, there would be somebody trying to take my spot to do what I am trying to do in Pokemon. That's really good. And, and they would fill that void that I left. Or they would put forth more effort into Pokemon than I am. Whereas if I just continue to put forth maximum effort, 100%, into the Pokemon trading card game, I'm going to be able to create the best Pokemon trading card game content that I can possibly produce, and I will not fall short of that. I will know that no matter what, I have invested my all into this content, and I can feel proud of that. I can sleep easy. I can say, you know what? I did my best, and this is as far as I could take it, and hopefully someone after me can take it even farther. So this is related to that. You've been around the game since 2005 on and off, right? What do you think about the, you know, the current meta? What are your thoughts on, you know, because certain, they're definitely, and I've, I've only played the game, I guess, is my second or third year, and even within that time, there's, like, times where a set comes out and you just don't really, like, connect with it. You're like, I'm not really into that right now for whatever reason. How are you feeling about what's going on in the meta game right now? Are you into these decks or are you waiting for a change? I mean, I'm really excited about Sword and Shield. I think that it's really cool to see at every regional that's happened with this current format. Yeah. New decks have popped up. Yeah. Which is really cool. And I think that's not only a testament to the metagame, but also a testament to the creativity being poured into the game right now. Right. There's a lot of players out there grinding, testing, and, and trying out new ideas. And it's been really neat to see new and different cards see success week after week. And right now, we've got the Bird Trio is seeing play. I mean, yeah. People are playing Ultra Zapdos oh, yeah. Nardacuno. Like, I thought that crazy. was always going to be a $2 GX, just sitting in bulk, and yeah. somehow someone has made something out of it. A deck that plays four different type of basic energy. Yeah. Like, what a beautiful thing. So I think this format desperately needs a couple of things, all of which are coming out in Sword and Shield. I think it really needs some general basic search, you know? I oh, think, yeah, that would be nice. I think that... It was just a weird situation with Sun and Moon base set rotating out and some of those earlier Sun and Moon sets. I, th- I think those cards really helped kind of complete the format right. and like kind of com- you know complement these later Sun and Moon sets. And playing without them, it kind of just feels like you're almost playing like a half-baked format, yeah. uh, which is kind of like where I feel like we're at. But each format is kind of unique and special in its own way. And I think that... Uh, that's part of what I love about the Pokemon trading card game is like we do kind of have a half-baked format right now That's what it is, right? Because yeah. it doesn't you know, we have the, not a ton of sets that are legal That's what it is standard format, but it, it's got its own identity and the identity of this format is Pokemon GX And I think that Pokemon has done that strategically. They wanted Pokemon GX to be very good Especially tag teams the Tag right? teams are crazy. because they're very marketable and they've got a lot of very cool legendaries on them And there's like a lot to love about them. Yeah, so why not make GXs very good for half a year? So I think that that's a very good strategic thing for the Pokemon company to do, to help help push sales, push cards, and especially with like the new games coming out, you've got these big monstrous 300 hit point things that are you know really exciting for kids to get into. I think from a creativity perspective, you can't say that there's not creativity happening in the format. Oh yeah, for sure. There certainly is. Yeah. Is it my favorite format to play in? Eh, probably not, but it's cool, and it's got its own identity, and for that, I respect it. There's Pokemon V coming out next. There's Basic Search coming out. There's Evolution Search. I think that the format is going to be flipped on its head with Sword and Shield, and I'm really excited about the direction that Sword and Shield is taking it. And I think this format is unique, and I'm excited about the new decks that keep coming out of it. 
Um, so we ask all of our guests this. What is your McDonald's order when you go to Mickey D's? What do you order? Because everybody has, like, that order, right? Yes. I like a McDouble with buffalo sauce. Buffalo sauce. Yes. You get a little bit of kick on your McDouble. You know? There you go. Yeah. So you, have to, you have to, like... Do you get fries? What do you get? I, I like chicken nuggets. And... Get fries, but I'm usually a dollar menu kind of guy, so I'll get the McDouble. I mean, I think it's a little more than a dollar now, yeah, dollar yeah. nineteen or something, yeah. you know, or two for two, two or something yeah, like that. something like that. It might be two bucks, whatever. I'm not trying to eat a lot when I'm at McDonald's. I just want a McDouble. Usually, that's like enough, and then I want some buffalo sauce to go on the McDouble. Yes. It's funny, you're the opposite. Our, the last we interviewed Kiernan Wagner, who said, "If I make McDonald's." I'm blowing it up, man. I'm eating everything. You're the opposite. You're like, opposite. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm getting in with my little shameful less than $5. <laughs> not spending more than $5. I will go to McDonald's, I think, maybe twice a year. I summon the courage to go, and I'm getting a McDouble. Yeah. What is your t- what's your typical fast food? Do you normally eat fast food, or are you just like, nah, that's not for me? There was a period in my life where I was... Yes, going to grad school, yeah. teaching full-time, and running two YouTube channels that I was eating a lot of Taco Bell. Yeah. And my acid reflux started to get really bad, and actually... Oh, it, it sucks getting old. I know. <laughs> I, I'm there. You know, I now take medication for it, yeah. and I don't eat it. You know, I don't I don't eat fast food every day anymore. But there was a period of time where I actually got to work early so I could get the Taco Bell breakfast. And, you know, that was probably the worst I was at. I mean, that's a, that's a sign that I think I was overworked and just, I love Taco Bell breakfast. That's it, the, I mean, I loved it. What was your order at Taco Bell breakfast? I'll ask you that. I don't even remember it. And I, at this point, uh, it was years ago. So <laughs> I, I, I have not been on the fast food kick lately. I am uh, trying to be done with fast food, but now my weakness is Dunkin' Donuts. I will go to Dunkin' Donuts. I'll get a, I will get a large macchiato with vanilla oh. flavoring. And I will also get an everything bagel toasted with cream cheese. Gotta be Dunkin' Donuts, not Starbucks, because Dunkin' will actually smear the cream cheese for you. Where <laughs> Starbucks sends you off with like a little cup of cream cheese you and a do knife, it on your own. and yeah. uh, a good luck and a pat on the back. Which doesn't ain't nobody got time. I'm yeah. driving to work, bro. Right. Like, what you think I got up here with a knife? You yeah. know, spreading the cheese. Like, no, no, no. So Dunkin' Donuts, it is. So, all right, I have two questions that I didn't even prepare Owen for, so here they are. The first is, is the Tricky Gym actually also a gym? Because I think that since I first saw you, you used to be a little skinnier, and now you've beefed up a little bit. You've been working out back there in the Tricky Gym? (laughs) Oh, well, I think first I (laughs) – There there is actually a gym in the basement of Full Grip, which is cool. So, like, there is a gym down there. and. uh, I didn't actually know that when I asked you this. Yes, there's like a, there is that. a gym. Yeah. There is a gym here, and I use it sometimes. It's really cool. There's a lot of and there's a shower down there too, so I can like uh, you know if I'm spending long days here, I can like you know break it up, get a little workout in, shower, freshen up, and then like you know and then keep working, which is really cool and something that I've definitely utilized. I also started rock climbing um, a couple of years ago, and then like. I tore my meniscus doing that, Ugh. and then I think I, I beefed up a little bit in a bad way because I had knee surgery. So then, like, then I I, I was uh, it was probably like, yeah, you know, that was uh, that was not good. But then I, lately I've been trying to like you know get back to running and stuff. So gotcha. I think when I when we first met, I was probably still in like my runner weight. Yeah. Yes. When I was in college, I used to run 50 miles a week, and <laughs> you know didn't lift anything. And now, you know, I do a little bit of light lifting sometimes at Full Grip, and I rock climbed for a little while, and still trying to run every once in a while, but now I do more lifting than I do cardio, 
even though I run once or twice a week now. But, you know, I do a fair amount of lifting as well, which has caused me to beef up a little bit, I guess. Nice. My shoulders are wider than <laughs> yeah, they used they to are. be. They are. It's a compliment. It's a compliment. The other question is, all right, when I used to have plastic frames, yeah. at least, I'm not kidding, and I'm at least on four or five occasions, people were like, you look kind of like Andrew Mahone. What are your thoughts on that? I have also received that. Have you gotten that? Uh, that, hey, I saw this guy, Rob, and I thought he was you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it was weird because the first time it happened, I didn't know who you were. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I realized that, you know, and then I think you won, like, uh, you did really well at Internets. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, oh, that's who Andrew Hone is. And then I, I met you, and then I was like, oh, okay. And But it kept happening, and I think I've gotten different glasses, and my hair's grown out, and you've changed your appearance a little bit. So it doesn't happen anymore. No. But it happened for a while there. It was happening all the time. There was a while. I mean, especially, yeah, like when I when I did well at Nats in 2017, like my hair was down to my shoulders. Yeah. And I had the, you know, the square frames. Yes. And we have like and a I similar frame nose too. going yes. on. Yeah. Uh, and I think like that could easily... Yeah. Yeah. So I think we should have mirror match tournaments, me versus you, Frank Persick versus Tord, and we could have a really good time. Too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, Andrew, do you have anything to plug? Yeah, of course. Everybody should check out FullGripGames.com for all your trading card game singles, as well as FullGripCodes.com if you're in the market for some PTCGO codes instantly delivered by email. However, yeah, also make sure to check me out on Twitch, where I stream every weekday. And YouTube, if you have not seen me on YouTube, uh, Tricky Gems, where you can find me. So thank you guys for having me. All right, Rob, plug our stuff. Thanks so much for coming, Andrew Mahone. It's been a huge honor and a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Heat Factory podcast. You can find our podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as other podcast locations. Hit us up on Twitter at HeatFactoryPod as well as our Facebook at The Heat Factory. And thanks to Marzi and Machine Learner for the intro music. You can find their music at soundcloud.com slash marzipan-kitten. Thanks also to Cole Friday for this new banging outro song, Hack, which can be found on YouTube.